Okay. Let's do it. Do it Welcome do it. to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season six, episode 15, Hooked. Starring, I was going to say starring Robin Williams to make a joke about the movie Hook. It's too soon. But there is an episode that stars Robin Williams. So mm. that joke didn't land starring Tinkerbell. Okay, just go. All right. Ugh, I hate that I'm even here. <laughs> <laughs> opening scene, a group of Boy Scouts and their troop leader are on a rooftop using the telescope to look at the stars. The troop leader is like, if you look up, you can see Cancer the Crab, and right next to it, you can see Ursa Major, also known as the Great Bear. The first couple scenes are full of the hardest cringe dialogue, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that you also, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. So, you can see a, this one boy, and you can tell he's a little shit because his hat's backwards, you know? <laughs> They're like 10. Mm-hmm. He's using his telescope to spy on this woman in the apartment and he sees her in her undies and like across the street yeah. yeah and the kid says i see something great and there right here <laughs> and his friend's like oh honestly he moves the telescope and he comes across another woman she's laying on the roof across the street there's blood on her her underwear seems to be around her ankles and she looks dead so the troop leader's like what is going on and he looks at the telescope and then his eyes get really big and he's like my god none of them question like oh my god you thought this was hot you little fucking backwards hat creep because all he did like he moved the telescope to the wrong place yeah he could have thought that's what he was looking at like check it out been like yowza (laughs) and be like what (laughs) and they're like that's a dead lady you fucking no i meant there was a lady there was (sighs) another lady but i didn't see it but i still wanted to be cool don't don't call my bob (laughs) well i guess my secret's out I have a necrophiliac <laughs> Jesus. No, I'm 10-year-old I'm necrophiliac. Wah, wah, wah. Okay, no. And that's the pilot of the sitcom. <laughs> Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now Benny and Staves are talking to a B-cop on the roof, the crime scene. He makes some kind of weird joke about the Boy Scouts peeping on, quote, other heavenly bodies. and Ugh, They're like scouts stargazing, more like yeah. peeping on other heavenly bodies. Ugh. Right, and then Sailor's like, I never got that badge. <laughs> End of their tight five. <laughs> <laughs> so the victim is Allison Downey. The cop knows because her purse was thrown over the side of the building after they, whoever killed her cleaned it out and forgot her license. Corner Warner's by the body. The victim is wearing an expensive dress. Benson thinks that she was out in the town and met the wrong guy. Corner Warner says she was hit in the head with something blunt and heavy, but they couldn't find the weapon. Allison's underwear have been pulled down. There were no fluids, but there is trauma to her genitals. Corner Warner estimates the time of death between 8 p.m. and midnight the night before. There's no drag marks, and if the perp used a gun or knife to scare the victim into coming to the roof, why kill her with something blunt and heavy? Stabler thinks that maybe she knew who killed her and they went to the roof to have sex. Benson thinks she changed her mind about sex and then the dude raped and killed her and tried to make it look like a robbery. Since the doors to the roof lock from the inside, the perp could be someone who lives in the building. Munch and Toots will canvas and Benson and Stabler are going to do the death notification. I really am um, grateful that they had not one but two women on the scene to be aware of the pricing of the dress. Everything. Right. This is an 800. She didn't even say this was expensive. She could have just said, this seems really expensive. She's like, no, this is an $800 dress. This is an $843.52 dress. <laughs> I was going to get it, but I didn't. They specifically sell it at this tiny boutique. So Benson and Stabler are now at Allison's house. Oh, Allison's mother identifies her from the ID they found and she's crying. The last time she saw her was yesterday morning. Allison recently graduated college, so she's been living with her parents, but will go to the city often and stay overnight with her friends. Her boyfriend is someone she met at college and he lives in Boston. Benson asks how they can get in touch with her husband. And then all of a sudden you hear somebody's keys jingling. Then you hear somebody at the door, there's keys, and Allison's mom is like, oh my God, it's my husband. Like, I can't, I'm not ready. I can't tell him. It's actually Allison who walks through the door. What? Mm-hmm. Her mom runs over and she's like, oh my God, they said you were dead. And Allison looks as confused as Benny and Staves. Benny and Staves look so confused because they've never heard of a kid using an older person's ID before. Right. Right? That's the assumption. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler decide they've got to talk to fucking Allison. They all go in her bedroom together. This actor played a gal named Devon in four <laughs> episodes of The Sopranos and had a regular role for five years on As the World Turns. Um, she also needs hair toner like yesterday. Her hair is brassy. It is the brass section. She is a ska band. 
<laughs> this girl. Everybody, every because this was that 2005, everybody had that bleached, straightened fucking hair. I, it, it goes throughout the entire episode. All of their blondes are yellow, like brassy as fuck yellow mm-hmm. blonde. Uh, to, to the point where I was like, is there something wrong with my screen? I think that that was like Ugh. hot back then. Because, like, Paris Hilton did that shit, remember? Where it was, like, brassy-ass yellow? Yeah, if you look back, like, I mean, I think during that time, it was like, mm Well, Allison asks them where they found her ID. So they let her know it was in the purse of a murder victim in Manhattan. And she looks shocked for a second, but then tells them she'd lost it and gotten a new one. So, sorry. Benny notices a photo of Allison with another blonde girl. Allison says the other girl is her cousin, Lisa. Lisa lives in Queens. And she's 15. I wonder where this is going. Mm -hmm. After a little prodding, Allison admits to giving Lisa her license so that Lisa could get into clubs with a college guy she'd been seeing. She didn't do drugs. She never got in trouble. I thought it was okay. And I was like, what does doing drugs have anything to do with anything? I don't know. You know? Also, how old is Allison? Like, what does the ID say? Does it say she's 18? Well, she said she just graduated. Her mom said she just graduated college. I'm assuming she's 21. Okay. So at the the youngest, she's 21. Yeah. How old is this adult man, this college guy who's dating a 15-year-old? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't like any of this. She's like, yeah, she was dating this college guy. She's fucking 15 years old. Stabler's dad bot mainframe is fucking shorting out like a motherfucker. He's just like, (laughs) 15. What are my teenagers doing, Kathy? (laughs) Allison doesn't know the name of the guy, but you're sure as a sea hog, these detectives are going to find out. Sea hog. What's that? Manatee? Uh, It's. It's another name for like a walrus or a seal. I don't know. Seahog. It was my nickname in high school. Actually. <laughs> At Corner Warner's office, she's determined the cause of death. Massive cerebral hemorrhage due to blunt force trauma. Metal fragments were found in the wound, so the lab is running the samples to find the weapon. With the information they do have, Corner Warner says the weapon was something metallic with a rounded edge. So Stabe speculates that maybe it's a ball peen hammer? Question mark. Andy Dufresne. That's all I can think of whenever, you know, a rock hammer, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Andy Dufresne. Lisa had a black eye that was about four to six weeks old at the time of her death. They didn't notice it at first because she had a lot of makeup on to cover it up. Stabler wonders, "Mm, what kind of parents would let their 15-year-old kid go clubbing on a school night? Hey, Stabler, pop quiz. Where are any of your kids right now? (laughs) Right. You don't know. It's Kath's responsibility. How old are your kids? How old are your kids? How many are there? (laughs) Just fuck you for the judgy judging that you're you're doing. Mm -hmm. Corner Warner tells him to ask Lisa's dad. Ask Lisa's dad what kind of parent he is, you dick, because he's here. Mm -hmm. So they bring him in so he can ID his daughter. He makes a positive ID and he's extremely distraught. Yeah. He was in the OA, which is a show that every time I see a thing for it, I'm like, can they just do one more season? I loved that show. There was two, right? Yes. So dad says he spoke to Lisa the afternoon before she died. She had said she was going to get pizza with friends. The last time he saw her was Monday morning. He's a trucker. Does that answer it for you, Stabler? Does that answer Mm -hmm. that? Just a humble man trying to provide for his family? Are you still better than him? Mm Mm-hmm. Single mom who works two jobs. Fuck you, Stabler. Loves her kids. It never stops. The last thing dad saw her wearing was her school uniform. Stabler, you sure about that? <laughs> and tells him they found her in an $800 cocktail dress. Oh, ugh. I think I'm just, mm, mm-mm. it's so weird because she changed her clothes between school and going out with her friends. She didn't right. wear her fucking school uniform to go get pizza with her friends. They also tell dad about the college dude she was seeing. And the dad had no idea about the boyfriend. When asked if Lisa's mom would know about him, her dad tells the detectives that she died nine months ago. Oh, my God. He lost his daughter. And that's when Stabler and Allison's dad have intense husband and father eye contact. Yeah. So at St. Tabitha's school, Benny and Stabs are doing a walk and talk with the principal. She says that Lisa went to all of her classes on Monday. Lisa was the very last person you'd think this would happen to. After her mom died, she took over the household, cooking, cleaning, etc., which sucks. And mm-hmm. Lisa managed to keep her grades up. The only time she had to call into the office was over those, quote, sex bracelets. These bracelets are what the girls wore to signify what sex acts they were willing to perform, which is fucking gross. And I remember this shit from the early aughts. This is very 
rainbow party, yeah. which these things are, I don't know if there's anything that's really substantiated. Right. This. So Lisa was wearing some of the bracelets, but the principal says that all of the girls were, and she didn't know who was actually doing the stuff or who wasn't. The principal tells them that any questions they have about Lisa's personal life should be asked to Angela Agnelli, which is Lisa's best friend. So later, Angela, she's the girl from Heroes, right? Her like superpower was she couldn't die or something. I liked that show a lot. I liked it too. Uh, this is Hayden Penetier. This is her second role in SVU. Mm-hmm. She was first in season two, episode 11, Abuse. Remember when she was a cutie patootie, little curly-headed, yeah. in love with Olivia Benson yep. uh, kid? Mm-hmm. We talked about her credits then, but just to circle back, I don't know if this was mentioned, if you're looking to get cringe-induced vertigo, watch her in the dance battle crump scene in Bring It On All or Nothing. Remember? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to post it. It's so bad. (laughs) You can already see it, right? Yeah, I can see it. (laughs) She says all the girls wore the bracelets as a stupid joke. And then she called them sex bracelets and it turned into a whole fucking big deal with the boys at school. The girls got called sluts because they weren't interested in those boys. Eye roll. They would get called sluts no matter what. Exactly. Angela says that none of their friends or Lisa had boyfriends because they were all focused on school and college. Then Benson takes a phone call and kind of wanders off. Angela needs to go to Spanish, so can she go? After Angela leaves, Benny and Staves do a little walk and talk. Stabler says, how many teenage girls do you know who don't have boyfriends? Um, none. So it was Taru that called Benson. They found something. (sighs) At the Tyro Lab, Tarubin has Lisa's Blackberry. He tells Benny and Stabes that it has some water damage and it looks like someone stomped on it, but a memory card still has some data on it. One website she went to was a dating site for teens. Lisa's profile had dumb teen shit like likes, six packs and tattoos, dislikes, ugly guys and piercings, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> dislikes, ugly guys. Okay. <laughs> All the guys are like, is that me? Am I that? Do I know? Am I an ugly guy? Actually, guys are like... Not me. (laughs) Right. Her emails were also recovered. She had a lot of messages from lots of people, but one in particular, quote, Quick Nick, who is also from Queens. It sounds like they've met up before. One of the messages says, want to hook up? We can play Bill and Monica again. And I'm like, oh, turns out this kid is a neighbor of Lisa's. Let me jizz all over your dress. (laughs) And then you get shit on by the entire country. Sounds hot. Yeah. How about you make me come and I leave you confused and unsatisfied? (laughs) How about I use my power? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Turns out this kid is a neighbor of Lisa's and his name is Nikki Sims. So Nikki played Eddie in Sneaky Pete, another show that I really liked. Cisco and Mr. Robot. He was in four episodes of The Sopranos. A lot of Sopranos this uh, episode. He'll be back in season eight of SVU and was in the first few episodes of Law and Order Organized Crime in 2022. The squad finds Nikki Sims. He's like, who is Lisa? Munch shows him a picture of Lisa. He says they hooked up a few months ago, but it was more of a friends with benefits thing. Munch is like, why did the benefits stop? Cut to Stabler with a different guy. They're doing some like crazy camera work here. Dude says she stopped seeing him because she got bored and it was time to move on. Stabler asks him how long they were dating and the dude laughs and says only ugly people date. Look, I gotta go. Only ugly people date? How long has your long-term girlfriend been with you then, guy? Oof. <laughs> mean. Um... <laughs> This kid has acted a ton. He's got like 70 plus credits, which blew my mind because this is the only thing I recognized. And then dude turns to leave and Stabler grabs him by the jacket Mm -hmm. because he's like, enough of this. And you didn't fucking care that she jumped to you? Dude didn't care because he was hooking up with like three other girls anyways. Stabler asks him who else Lisa was hooking up with. Cut to Benson with a girl from school. She tells Benson that Lisa hooked up with pretty much every cute guy in school. She also hooked up with girls until she met an older guy on the internet that she really liked. Benson was like, Lisa wasn't scared to hook up with dudes online? And this girl's like, no, you can see their profile. Ugh. She tells Benson that she didn't know the guy's name, but that Angela might. So we're circling back to the fucking her best friend, Angela. Benny and Stabes walk into the hopping Java Jake's coffee house and find Angela tippity tapping on her laptop. They confront her up. about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> they confront her about knowing about Lisa hooking up with people, but she tells them Lisa wasn't doing that anymore. And Stabler reads her outfit you always dress up like that to do your homework everybody dresses like this this girl is wearing a yellow t-shirt with a black Mm -hmm. cardigan what in the ever-loving fuck are they talking about dressing like that 
She has yeah. like a little dab of lip gloss on. I mean, okay. He just, yeah. he needs, he needs to put his nuclear family back together or, and or needs to go talk to a therapist because yeah, it was legit a, a, a regular t-shirt. And then when he said it, she like pulled, pulled the bottom of the shirt down, not a crop top, uh, pulled the bottom yeah. of the shirt down. Like, oh, I'm embarrassed that I'm caught looking like this. Okay. Those modest hoop earrings and lip gloss are a fucking abomination. Slut. He's those boys at school were right. You I was just gonna slut. say that. <laughs> anyway, Stabler accuses her of lying to them, and Angela admits she knew what Lisa was up to, but didn't want them to judge Lisa and tell her dad she was a slut. I mean, Stabler did just act like you were sitting at a coffee shop in fucking body paint. Right. So they ask her about the older guy Lisa was dating. Angela says Lisa was really into him. He had money and bought her clothes and took her out. But then he started getting jealous about her hooking up with other guys. The black eye was from him hitting her. Lisa mm. didn't tell Angela that he hit her, but gave her the old I ran into a door excuse. And Angela knew. Yeah. The dude's name is Andy Wall. So Andy Wall is brought in for questioning. Oh, we know you. This is Ken Cosgrove from Mad Men. This episode of SVU was his first ever acting credit. Mm. So after this, he went on to be in quite a few things before getting Mad Men for 92 episodes, BT dubs. He was in Ray Donovan. He was in Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, Narcos Mexico. Mm. Very recognizable face. This is Andy Wall in this episode. Andy says he doesn't know anyone named Lisa. Benson tells him he may know her as Allison Downey, which he did. Mm -hmm. They let Andy know that she was only 15 and was actually using her cousin's ID. Gulp. Benson mm -hmm. shows Andy a picture of Lisa's murder scene after Stabler tells him about Lisa's brutal beating and death. Andy's stuttering now and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We broke up months ago. Benson let him know, uh, we dumped your phones, bruh. You called her the day she died. He argued mm -hmm. that they were still friends, so of course they talked. Stabler brings up Lisa's black eye and accuses Andy of being jealous and pissed. Again, Andy's like, dudes, I never fucking hit her. Actually, he loved her, but dumped her because when he confronted her about the other dudes, she, quote, acted like he was the one with the problem. <sighs> Side note, um, was there a conversation about monogamy or did you assume she belonged to you? Right. Because I was just thinking that it like, seems that you both had two different impressions on what your relationship was. Yeah. Okay. Andy has an alibi for the night Lisa was killed. He was with his study group until 3 a.m. Later in the squad room, Benny's hanging up the phone. She's confirmed that Andy's alibi checks out. All the people he was with had the same story. Benson and Stabler talk about how dating has changed since they were young. Wasn't this when Benny was like, when we were younger, they told us we were too young to date just one person. And Stabler's like, now we hope they just date one person. Which is horseshit because people got married when they were 17. Yeah. Why do I think these guys are 90 years old? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they still did up until really kind of like the 80s and 90s, you know? Yeah, dude, my um, my mom had all four of us by the time five, she was 27. You know what I mean? Ugh, can you fucking imagine? No. no. The answer is no. Craigan comes over to tell them Corner Warner discovered that Lisa had HIV. So everyone she slept with had been exposed to the virus. Mm. Now we're at Corner Warner's office. She shows Benson and Stabler a computer simulator from the CDC, and it shows how fast HIV can spread. And it's an epidemic. Each case of HIV has to be reported but the names are anonymous. But Corner Warner made a list of Lisa's partners from the web pages and the interviews they did. And then the health department will notify those who need to be seen. Benson thinks that maybe Lisa confronted who gave her HIV and they killed her to keep a secret. Lisa did know she had HIV because Corner Warner found traces of antiretroviral meds in her system. They need to contact the doctor Lisa was seeing. So Stabler looks over the list from Corner Warner and then all of a sudden he looks shocked and the music gets swelly. He knows one of the boys on the list. Uh-oh... So now we're at Glen Oaks High School in Queens. Stabler goes up to Kathleen, pulls her away from her friends, and he says he needs to talk to her. She's like, what are you doing here? I need to look into all of his kids. We just found out that Dickie has been Dickie since the beginning. Uh -huh. So has she been Kathleen. She plays Kathleen now. Mm. 
I think that's great. Yeah. Like in so many, in so many things, like Roseanne straight up brought in a full other person <laughs> that everybody knew was a whole different person and then brought the original one back after a couple seasons. And they made like a fourth wall joke about it. Yeah, I remember that. They're like, Probably you look the different this year. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing here? Are you and mom getting a divorce? He's like, no, 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 no. But maybe. I mean, don't say no. What did mom say? <laughs> yeah. That is why I'm here. No, it turns out his daughter was seeing Jed, one of the guys on the list. Sailor's like, look, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I'm sure it's fucking tough to ask your kid this question. But he asked her if they had sex. And she's like, that's private. Why are you asking me that? And he's like, because I'm your dad and it's important. And I can't tell you why. She says that they didn't. Jed broke up with her because she wouldn't have sex with him or do other sexual stuff. Which also, I would fully lie to my dad, especially my angry fucking cup throwing dad. <laughs> Cop dad. Who has everybody's personal information at the drop of a hat and carries a gun that gets taken away often. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to lie to you if I'm fucking a dude, dad. Yeah. So he hugs her and he's like, I love you. My pure, pure daughter. And he takes off. One day I will hand you off to another man who will be your owner. <laughs> yes. Now we're at the Downey residence. Benson and Stabler are let into Lisa's room by her dad. It's been searched already, but they need to check again. Lisa hadn't been to the doctor lately as far as her dad knew, because when her mom died, they lost the medical insurance that was through her job. It's been tough, man, over there. Mm -hmm. Stabler tells him about Lisa having HIV, and this poor guy, he fucking lost his wife and daughter in nine months. This guy plays a dude that's super hurting very well. Yeah. I even wrote, like, he's going to fucking snap on somebody at the end, right? Like, he has Mm -hmm. nothing to lose. Stabler's looking in a mirror, dude. Yep. He wants to know who gave his daughter HIV, and Stabler doesn't know. And the dad hasn't seen any pills around the house because they only have one medicine cabinet. Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. And I kept my birth control pills in my family's shared bathroom. Right. Benson looks in Lisa's closet and pulls out this, like, fur vest and asks if Lisa had a job. And the dad says she was supposed to focus on school, not work. Her closet was full of designer clothes, but her allowance was only $25 a week. So he doesn't know who could have bought them. And then he's like, it's like I don't know anything about her. Benson finds a bag for her boutique. And oh my God, this bag's lettering. It says New York, Paris, Milan in, like, yeah. Times New Roman. <laughs> Oh my god. Like they completely gave up creating a fancy bag and printing of the lettering. It was like, and it was, it like, was like thin glued. papery. Yeah. If you go to a boutique that has designer items, right? Yeah. The bag is going to have some heft to it, first of all. Possibly yeah. embossed. The handle will be at least fabric. Yeah. This handle is like fraying. They printed out her boutique, cut it out, not symmetrically, and then glued it onto a shitty yeah. bag that you get at like Target or something. You know, that, like you, you're like, I'm going to put somebody's birthday. That bag looks like you had gone to a bakery to get cupcakes. They're not selling designer fucking clothing. They're selling cupcakes. Like if you hold the handle yeah. weird, it could rip. That's not a, de- okay. Yeah. I, we've done it. We've done enough on that. But yes, I also noticed how fucking unbelievable it was. Yeah, I just sent it to you. I I know it and I'm Um, still going to open this text. I couldn't wait to see what the place looked like. So the clothes could be from that place. (laughs) But inside the bag, Benson finds Lisa's meds. (laughs) I know I had to like. So the clothes could be from that place. (laughs) So these guys go to the hospital to talk to Lisa's doctor, Derek Tanner. Dr. Tanner saw Lisa the week before for a follow up. He had seen her picture in the paper, so he knew what had happened. Benson asks about her partners and exposures. The doctor tells her that's confidential and her dad will have to sign a release to give them any information. This is upon first meeting, but I genuinely was like, hmm, he seems like a nice guy. Me too. I was like, look at his little red hair. He's cute. Yeah, we're wrong. (laughs) I didn't recognize him from anywhere, so he wasn't on my radar. Mm Mm-hmm. Benny and Stabes walk and talk out of the clinic and chat about where all of Lisa's money was coming from. Those meds are pricey. And she had a closet full of designer clothes from her. Maybe she had a sugar daddy. They need to start by checking at her. The store of the... Which is the store of the bag that she had her meds in. Off to her boutique. Okay, the joke's dead. A posh British accent sales lady comes up to talk to them while they're looking at the ugly $800 dress that Lisa had been wearing when she was killed. 
So they're like, we need to know who's bought this dress, da da da. The sales lady pulls up the info for them. The last time they sold one was on Monday, but the buyer paid cash. So now they got to look at the security cam footage. Looking at the footage in the video, we see Lisa in the store going to the fitting room with the dress. But the sales lady identifies a dude on screen, Brian, the store manager. He follows her back there. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to them coming out. Timestamps put them back there for 10 minutes. The store employee tells them that the sale is in the system, but in the video, Lisa was not seen going near the register. Mm -hmm. Stabler wonders if manager Brian bought it for her. Yeah, what? she was wearing the dress when she came out. Yeah, he's in the stockroom taking sales inventory. What luck. Let's get... What? As they walk back to the stockroom, they hear the <laughs> grossest dude moaning noises. <laughs> It is so yeah. bad. I can't believe I didn't take a photo of this. When he looks over his shoulder because he's fucking getting a beach back there, they find him like with his back turned looking down. He looks over his shoulder like, yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was the worst moaning ever. It was so, it's so bad. <laughs> and I feel bad too because like, you know, everybody likes, I like love when a guy makes noises and stuff. You know what I mean? And you want to encourage that because guys are like, I'm not gay. I don't have sex with a girl and make noise. You're like, what? <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, they don't, like, they are feel weird about, like... Oh, really? There's lots of memes about it where it's, like, guys being afraid to make noises and me, and it's, like, Meryl Streep at the fucking Oscars or whatever, you know? <laughs> um, no, see, it's the setting, right? Also, this dude is a gross creep. So, but, like, going yeah. back to talk to the guy in the stock room, and then you hear... Uh, like <laughs> fucking no i mean like i don't want to discourage right people i don't want to like but but i would be like don't <laughs> if i was beeging a dude and he was like <laughs> especially if i was 15 because omg he's getting blown by fucking angela lisa's high school friend if we're having penitier <laughs> if we're having drinks call me <laughs> If I'm giving you a BJ. Oh, gross. Okay. <laughs> if you're blowing me, call me Brian. Salesman. Her boutique sales manager, Brian. Yeah, hi. I, 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 I got her boutique sales manager, Brian. <laughs> blow jobs <laughs> okay okay but like for sure for real like if if you were feeling uncomfortable about making noises during sex fellas <laughs> don't <laughs> so benny and stabes bring angela into the precinct she tells them she doesn't get what the big deal is honey you're 15 that's what the big deal mm -hmm. is Benny accuses Angela of selling her body for clothes. The sad part about this is Angela's age. It's the age of the girls. Mm -hmm. Any other shaming stuff, like why they're bringing shame to these young people is fucked up. But bringing their awareness to you're being yeah. taken advantage of. I don't care if you're a grown ass adult. Get it. Yeah, get get that bag. I don't give a fuck. Right, it's exactly. Your, your life. Um, But at your age, but yeah. But not when you're 15. Sorry. You're being abused in our culture. Yeah. Sorry. Angela argues that she only gives him oral sex and that Brian only likes to buy her pretty things. And then she's like, that's what I always do when I hook up, but at least I get something out of it this way. Correct. Benny runs down the outfit that she's currently wearing. Louis Vuitton bag, Prada shoes, Dolce & Gabbana top. That's at least two grand right there. Okay, this is me doing my bougie shit. That bag alone would have at least been $2,000. That's if it was Louis Vuitton because I looked up close at it and what was supposed to be the LV monogram wasn't. So that Louis Schlan was uh, <laughs> much cheaper. But anyway, so this outfit would have been thousands more than what she quoted. Her point is she doesn't believe that only one guy is spending that much money on Angela. Angela doesn't like being called out, but quietly admits... It's not like I do this all the time. Yeah. Stabler asks if Angela and Lisa were hooking at the mall together. He means doing sex, sex work. work. Uh, Angela says they were, but then Lisa started using a hotel, the Barrington, a few months ago. So some dude had approached them at the mall and said they could make real money. They could use the hotel where he worked. Lisa mm -hmm. was in, but Angela said she was only doing it for the clothes and wasn't into working with this guy. His name is Jerome, and he's the desk clerk at the Barrington. 
cut to the Barrington Hotel. Stabler is undercover and he's got these like square little sunglasses. Ugh. He's checking into the hotel. He kind of roundabout asks Jerome how he can get a sex worker. Like, I'm a bit stiff after my long flight. And Jerome's like, should I book you for a massage? Stabler says, how much for the best one? Jerome says, it can be pretty expensive. Then Stabler says, that's not a problem. Just make sure the girl is young and good at what she does. Jerome can have somebody in about a half an hour. That would go over my head so hard. Mm-hmm. Somebody's like, I'm a little stiff after my flight. I'd be like, oof, there's a Walgreens like two doors down from here. <laughs> yeah. I use these icy hot patches that are <laughs> yeah. amazing. Oh my God. Do you have a hot tub in your room? Oh, okay. There's Epsom salt down there too. So <laughs> right. I've got all kinds of suggestions. Yeah. I hear you. Flights can be woof. Ugh. They barely let you even lean back. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking to get a little help with it. Well, I guess we could send a bellhop down there to pick things up for you. I don't know. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, we could we get you a massage. Yeah, that's more like it. A massage. Cool. We have a 70-year-old Polish lady who will walk on your back. He's like, I want a blowjob. And you're like, blowjob. So... The sex worker, Brandy, shows up and she's like, hi. (laughs) She's in Stabler's room. She gives him the rundown of the rates and he gives her money. She turns around and starts getting undressed. And then she also has terrible brassy ass hair. I know. I'm telling you, I think it's a thing. It's a Mm. thing that's going on right at that time. And he's like, so what made you want to do this? And she's like, "Ugh, you're not one of those guys, are you? And then he's like, no, I'm one of these guys and shows her his badge. And she goes, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. Can I interest you in a freebie? And Munch comes in and says, not tonight. Stabler asks her about Jerome and what his cut is. Now Jerome is at the precinct in an interrogation room with Benson and Stabler. He denies being a pimp, but says that the girls throw him a 20 once in a while. Sure, Jan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Benson yells at him about recruiting the girls from the fucking mall and how Brandy, the girl at the hotel, says he takes 70%. And then he goes, you're going to bust my balls for something that happens in every hotel in every country. Stabler says that every single hotel in the country has child trafficking. What? And Jerome is like, what? Brandy is 19. Stabler shows him a picture of Lisa and he says he doesn't know her. Stabler tells him she's dead. And then Jerome's like, oh my God, what? She's dead? I, he hasn't seen Lisa in months. He thought she was Allison and says he didn't know she was dead because you know how she went back and forth with her fake ID. Mm-hmm. He says one guy really liked Lisa. He was a regular at the mm-hmm. hotel and came in for a medical convention. What? Yeah. Jerome gives his physical description, red haired guy, whatever, matches Dr. Tanner. And then Jerome says his name was Dr. Tanner. <laughs> remember he's lisa's doctor Mm -hmm. at the hospital benny and stabes are talking to the charge nurse they're like where the fuck is dr tanner she tells him that he's with a patient then you hear this crash bang thing and she's like what in the hell was that crap (laughs) so they run over what the hell was that crap they run over lisa's dad is there beating up fucking tanner and throwing him around and it reminds me a lot of dan connor and (gasps) i like that (laughs) Yeah. Stabler breaks it up and Benson arrests Dr. Tanner. In the other room, Stabler is yelling at the dad that he's got to let them do their dang job. Lisa's dad is losing it to Stabler. Well, he doesn't care what happens to him now that Lisa and his wife are dead. The music is fucking engorged with blood. Ew. (laughs) Ew, yeah, that was gross. Stabler tells him that he's seen a lot of people lose everything and throw their life away. But would his wife and daughter want to see him in prison? He can get through what's happening. And then he's like, do you have a priest you can talk to? And I'm like, fucking gross. The guy was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mr. Downey calms down a little bit, I guess. In an interrogation room at the precinct, Dr. Tanner is a set of 10 pins. Stabler opens the door and he's a bowling ball. Stay baller <laughs> crashes into Tanner pins. He just like busts in like he's going to tear the guy apart. Tanner says he didn't know Lisa was 15. Stabler yells at him that he's a liar and he was banging her for weeks. Her. He's circling this guy like a shark infected with rage. Tanner says that Lisa approached him in the hotel and told him she was 21. He says the night he met her was the first time he had paid for sex. Sure, Jan. And that he was addicted after that. He couldn't stop seeing her. He quit his job to move there to be with her. He loved her and gave her everything oh she wanted. God. He loved her. Okay, guys, she was Ugh. 15. 
stop acting like this is a fucking mermaid siren song. Brandy. Like this isn't what's happening right now. Yeah. What a psycho. Okay. In the precinct gym that we didn't know existed, Stabler is aggressively bench pressing my whole fucking butt. (laughs) Stabler. (laughs) You're laying across it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm doing that plank thing that people did for a minute. That the Venice Beach fucking outdoor gym set up. (laughs) Yeah. Also, it's crazy because that little weight room thing was right off the crib where they all sleep. Yeah. But I've literally seen him like wrestling in a gym with his butt. Remember, there's like a scene where he's like wrestling and he's got his butt Mm. (laughs) out there. Yeah. 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 In gray sweatpants. So Stabler is aggressively bench pressing my whole butt. Benson (laughs) comes in and asks him if he's okay, And he's like, yeah, totally. What a world. What a world. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's like, oh, things in the world have changed. Benson makes the comment that it's like, you know, that time is linear and that's how things work. 999,000. <laughs> so Benson's like, oh, well, it could just be you who've changed, buddy. He opens mm-hmm. up a little saying that when you lose a family, everything starts to disintegrate. Me thinks this isn't totally about Lisa's dad losing his <laughs> wife and daughter. Me thinks. <laughs> and Benny and Benny says, You have great kids. And Stabler goes, Who's that now? Just kidding. Kath is a total bitch, but your kids are fucking great. Yeah. And Stabes fucking goes, That's what Lisa's father thought. Wow. I'm right back to fuck you, dude. Her mom yeah. died. Her dad couldn't be around. It's the early aughts, so there's zero chance she's in therapy. You judgy fucking prick. Mm -hmm. This girl is doing the best she fucking can with what has happened in her life. Yeah. So they get done with Stabler's feelings and judgment. Benson had checked on Tanner's alibi. He was at work that night and barely would have had time to commit the murder. Oh, who has the time to commit the murder? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so busy. She also says he was about to go back to his family in Rhode Island, even though he told Stabler that he loved Lisa. Okay. Benson says that Tanner's wife told her Tanner was broke. His credit cards were maxed out. He was begging her to take him back. And Stabler said, oh, he spent all his money on Lisa. We got to go back and talk to Tanner. I hope the way the wife was saying this was like, bitch. (laughs) This motherfucker left me for a 15-year-old, fucked my credit, and is Mm. begging me to take him back. And Benson's like, gross. And she's like, yeah, fuck that guy. Men, right? Yeah. Let me know what happens, Mm. especially if he goes to prison. So Stabler puts a fucking shirt on and they head to Tanner's apartment. In the hall outside his door, they can hear a loud conversation. Benny and Stabes draw their guns and open the door. Tanner is bleeding on the floor, groaning, really gross. Just kidding. Uh, He's bleeding on the floor, no pulse. The TV's cranked up. So Stabler thinks that Lisa's dad came and shot Tanner. So now we're at the precinct with Mr. Downey. He says he didn't kill Tanner, but his prints were found on the doorknob to dude's apartment. Also, in this scene, I didn't notice it any time before, but in this scene, he's got major Paul Giamatti eyes. Yeah, that's a good call. Thank you. He's really cute. He is cute. You would date him. I'd start a family with him. It'd be dogs, but it'd be a family. (laughs) (laughs) So he admits to following Tanner into his apartment, but when he went in, he was already dead. Stabler tells Downey that he knows he's been through a lot and Stabler can't even imagine. And then Stabler says, and if I found out my daughter had been with an older man in a hotel, I'd have shot the bastard too. Fucking mood shift, hard mood shift. Mm -hmm. Mr. Downey slowly gets up and he is fucking like almost like snotting he's so mad and he's like what are you talking about are you saying my little girl was a whore lisa was a good girl and stabler doesn't move or anything but his eyes get big and he's just like looking up at him he asks stabler if tanner killed lisa then says i didn't shoot him but i fucking wish i'd had stabler just sits there and like stares up at him he doesn't match the energy or like get up or do anything it was pretty scary Mm. Later, Benson updates Cragen on the CSU search of Downey's shit. They searched his car, truck, house, and didn't find a gun. The only prints in Tanner's apartment were from Tanner, Lisa, her dad, and another unidentified person. Stabler says he doesn't think Downey is Tanner's killer. He didn't know about Lisa and Tanner having sex until Stabler told him. Remember, it's statutory rape when I said sex. Yeah, yeah. 
Toots comes in. A scarf from Lisa's high school was found in Tanner's locker at the hospital, but it's not Lisa's. It's monogrammed with the initials AA for Angela Agnelli. God, this fucking bitch. Hmm. So Stabler's at Angela's school. He cuts the bolt to her locker and finds a gold clubbing top and a gigantic VHS tape. The VHS tape is wearing that outfit that Julia Roberts wore in Pretty Woman, by the way. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. She's like, finally my chance. And she's like, oh. <laughs> the VHS tape is also really brassy blonde. Ugh. Get some toner, bitches. Angela comes over and she's super pissed and she's mad that they're looking at her treasures. She says the tape. She says the tape is Lisa's. She had asked Angela to hold it for her. Right. And Stabler's like, cool, well, we'll just take a look. And of course, Angela's like, <laughs> she gasps in teen. <laughs> so Benny, Stabes, and Cregan are watching the tape in Cregan's office. We can see Angela in the two-way glass. So she's in the other room. So are these guys on the technical other side of the glass then? I didn't realize that there was... <sighs> That they were there was a different glass until after because I'm like, why are they saying all this shit right in front of her? Yeah, I didn't either. I had to go back and say that because I thought she was in the same room with them. Cragen, Benny, and Stabes then are on the other side of the glass. I'm basically asking you permission if I can do this. If so, on the other side of the glass, Cragen, Benny, and Stabes are at Cragen's Little Tykes Car Repair Shop where they specialize in pretending to change oil on bubbly plastic red and yellow cars that toddlers drive with their feet like the Flintstones. (laughs) (laughs) And they're real serious about it. Yeah. On the tape, Angela can be seen waiting for someone wearing the scarf. She has a lot of hesitation on her face. Lisa comes on the screen and tells her, don't be shy. It's obviously amateur porn and vibe. But again, these are kids. So it's actually not. It's trafficking. It's child abuse. But the energy gives amateur home movie kind of thing. Then Tanner shows up in the tape in his underwear. Zoom out to the office where they're watching. And Cregan asks if they've contacted Angela's parents. Her parents are in Europe, but gave detectives permission to talk to their daughter, but weren't going to interrupt their trip. And Sailor's like, that's nice. Because he's there to parent shame. Yeah, because you Mm -hmm. drop everything to run to your kids. That's why Kathy left you, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. Now they know that Angela knew about Lisa's relationship with Tanner the whole, the whole, (laughs) the entire time. Yeah. They all look over at Angela sitting there and she's actually doing the tight collar cartoony thing where she's like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Benny and Stabes then go into the interrogation room to talk to Angela. She says she's humiliated knowing that they watched the tape. It was super obvious she wasn't into whatever was going on in the video. So this is all, I believe her. Yeah. She says that Lisa begged her to make the video. Lisa needed cash and Tanner was going to pay them $500 each for the video. Benson tells Angela that she's lied to them about everything, which is fucked up because they're just trying to find her best friend's murderer. Right. Like I, I get it that she's a kid not realizing the severity of the situation, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. just tell the truth. Your friend got fucking murdered, honey. But I guess that's what having a teenager is shaking the shit out of them being like, what you're doing isn't rational. Yeah. Angela says it's because she didn't want them to find out about what she did. She said she didn't do anything else, but tells them that Lisa made a lot of other videos. And then Benny, you know, she knowingly nods and just says she was doing hardcore. Hmm. Angela confirms it like, yeah, because I know what that is and tells Benny Lisa had taken her to a video store and showed her a bunch of DVDs, 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 showed her a bunch Mm -hmm. of DVDs. They were, quote, her videos. Lisa told Angela that the video they made with Tanner could be her audition to make more. But Angela said she never wanted to do that again. So Lisa had been making videos for some guy named Max. The detectives head over to Max Long Studios. There is a shoot in progress when the detectives show up. Mm -hmm. OMG, one, Max Long is Matt Malloy. He's got 147 acting credits. He's super recognizable, uh, usually a supporting actor and has been a huge stuff. But for me, it's always his role playing John Doe slash judge number one, the creepy guy in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Mm, I don't remember. He did look familiar, but I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, he's he's in a million things, but that's the one where I always like the jokes would not land anymore. Yeah, playing a pedophile who's judging a young girl's 
fucking beauty pageant. Yeah. He's also in Armageddon, Election, As Good As It Gets, Stepford Wives, Hitch, Role Models, At Home with Amy Sedaris, Damn. I Love That For You, which is Vanessa Bayer, Molly Shannon, Home Shopping Network series. Do you remember that? Did you watch that? I never watched it, oh. but I, I needed to. I need you to. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, he does a lot of comedy stuff, mostly comedy stuff. He's directing this lady with painfully huge boobs yeah. as she gets it on with another lady and a surfer dude in a brown suit. And they're all blonde. I know. This is where I was like, is it my screen or is it 2005? Because absolutely every blonde person in this episode is brassy as fuck and needs toner so bad. Yeah. I barely even noticed this lady's basically detaching fucking size triple H boobies because her hair was so brassy. I just kept thinking like, oh my God, her poor lower back. Mm -hmm. Benson marches in, police. And Max's tiny hoop earring is so mad that they fucked up his scene. It's like, <laughs> cat. Benson tells him they're there for, they say child porn, child sex abuse, uh, imagery, uh, video, that kind of thing. This guy goes, what do you think? I'm stupid. I don't make that stuff. So they walk and talk over to Stabler, checking out a bunch of DVDs they've got there. And he well, well, wells him. What do we have here? And shows mm -hmm. Max the cover of one video that has Trudy, a.k.a. Allison. Max is confused and says, that girl's 19. And they tell him it's actually 15-year-old Lisa and she's dead. He thinks he's got his bases covered and says, I have her license on file. You guys, I know her age. And they say, guy, that was her cousin's. He's getting kind of nervous, but he goes, you can't bust me for that. It was an honest mistake. They ignore it and ask him about his alibi for the night Lisa was killed. Well, he was filming until 2 a.m. that night. He denies killing Lisa, saying she was like a daughter to him. Ew. Fucking Stabler activate. He fucking grabs Max and <laughs> ballroom spins him into his face. You get off watching your daughter have sex? Oof. Max who is afraid, as one should be, if Stabler is in that kind of aggressive mode, goes, she wanted to do porn. You should be talking to her boyfriend, not talking to me. The boyfriend? What? It's Derek Tanner. He's obsessed with her. They let mm -hmm. Max know that Tanner was the doctor that was treating Lisa for HIV as they put cuffs on him. Yeah. Max, again, is shocked. He says he didn't know about Lisa's diagnosis. Now he has to shut down and get all of his actors tested. I don't love how they're mm -hmm. treating a guy who seems to be working pretty by the book until we find out anything more later right now i'm like i don't like how they're treating this guy mm -hmm. but in the 2005 universe anything sexual is scummy so they're like you're trash yeah but if he's doing everything on his end that he needs to do to run an ethical business then yeah you know. they'll like come into situations hot just because it's something that they don't like yeah, yeah. Back at the precinct, Stabler comes out of the interview room and does a little walk and talk with Kragen. Max is on the phone with his lawyer right now. His alibi actually checks out. He should be out soon, even if he's charged with encouraging sex acts with a minor. Munch and Toots come over with billing records. Tanner had been giving patients fake names and info for the STD tests he was giving them. And Long Video was footing the bill. Tanner was giving tests to Long's actor, so Max knew about the HIV diagnosis and about Lisa being 15 and being in a relationship with Dr. Tanner, but Max was blackmailing him. Dr. Tanner, that is. Mm -hmm. Stabler goes over to the map. Lisa was found only a few blocks away from where Max says he was shooting a video the night she was murdered. Benson points out that the two buildings share 44th Street. Stabler thinks the buildings where Max was and where Lisa was found could back up to each other. Munch and Toots are going to go check to see if the roofs have access to each other. Benson and Stabler will check in with the lab about the forensics. Later, Benson goes back into the interview room where Max Long is with his lawyer, Trevor Langan, a.k.a. Benson's boyfriend in real life. Ah. They're married at this point. They are? Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Benson tells him about the traces of brushed aluminum found in Lisa's head wound, which matched the tripod head they found in Max's office, which also had Lisa's hair, skin, and blood in the screw heads. Oh, what? fuck. Max denies knowing about Lisa's HIV. Benson shows the hospital records. All the test results went back to him, which is soups illegal. And the distance between the shoot and the crime scene, it would take under three minutes because the roofs are adjoining. Lisa says 20 people will swear that Max is working at the time of Lisa's death. Novak says, we'll see, and tells Max to come with her. The whole fucking cast of the movies he shoots are in the bullpen giving statements. And he's uh. like, oh my God, what are they doing here? Benson loudly says they thought the cast would want 
want to know that Max kept Lisa's HIV diagnosis from them. Uh-oh. Max admits that he made a mistake, but he didn't want to start a panic. Novak's like, no, you fucking didn't. You didn't want to stop filming. She talked to the cast and they said that they saw Max slap Lisa on the set and he left the set for 20 minutes the night Lisa died to, quote, shoot establishing shots, bringing the tripod with him. Oh my God, this guy is such a fuck hot take this guy's a fuck <laughs> stabler says that max told lisa to meet him on the roof and he killed her langan says this is fucking speculation chill people novak says she can't wait to get this case in front of the jury to get him for lisa's murder and then get him for tanner's langan's like max didn't kill tanner he was at a charity event that night but benson goes ahead and arrests max for lisa's murder later Stabler walks out and meets with mr downey in the lobby he just wants to thank him for catching max and says that he's kind of doing better and then he tells Stabler to look out for his family downey leaves and kraken comes over so max actually didn't kill tanner which Stabler knew because he checked on the alibi kraken tells him that the prints on the tape from angela's locker match the prints from tanner's house for the unidentified person oh my god this fucking chick oh Stabler goes god. to the high school so surprised angela is coming out of class and like laughing with her friends stabler grabs her and was like come with me and talk she's like what's up <laughs> stabler tells her that max murdered lisa and asks if she knows who killed tanner he knows lisa didn't ask her to hold the tape and he knows she killed tanner there's gunshot residue on the tape and her prints mm -hmm. so then she's crying and she says she did it because she wanted the tape and he wouldn't give it to her because he was afraid he was gonna go to jail because he knew they were underage she didn't want her life to be ruined by people seeing it so she pointed a gun at him and he went to grab it and it went off she cries and hugs stabler and says that she's sorry and just wants her life back toyota toyota he wants that for you but yeah sorry angela are your parents gonna come back from europe now angela oh my god that's so mean tasha <laughs> i know that it was i don't know sorry that's so mean tasha you think they're gonna love you now angela <laughs> Okay, I hate this and this sucks and we're just gonna do it. We're not here to judge young girls. This whole thing fucking sucks. When Christina Long was 11 years old, she moved to Danbury, Connecticut to live with her aunt, Shelly Rilling. Her parents had substance abuse problems and had recently divorced. So there was enough going on that her aunt Shelly was eventually granted custody of Christina. Mm. At 13, Christina had been living with her aunt for a couple of years and she had acclimated really well. As a sixth grader at St. Peter's, a Catholic school in Danbury, she was an altar girl and co-captain of the cheerleading squad. On Friday, May 17th, 2002, just before 6 p.m., Christina's Aunt Shelley dropped her off at the Danbury Fair Mall. When Shelley came back to pick her up at their agreed time, which was 9 p.m., Christina never showed. Shelley freaked and immediately involved the police and anyone she knew who could help find Christina. Mm -hmm. A huge manhunt began, which turned up nothing. So pretty quickly, the police and FBI agents who were involved began digging into Christina's computer. She had a desktop computer in her room, 2002. Mm -hmm. Interviews with her many friends uncovered that Christina was constantly in chat rooms and, quote, meeting boys online. This was obviously way deeper than other sixth grade boys and crushes and shit. She was using screen names like long too hot for you and sexy me for you to see. She would spend hours in chat rooms having sexually explicit conversations with older men. Mm. She would chat about liking rough sex, sleeping with a lot of men, describing acts that she had tried or that she would like to try. She was also meeting up with many of these contacts and sleeping with them. Mm. These messages led them to 25-year-old Saul Dos Reyes. He had moved to the U.S. from Brazil when he was 10 years old. He graduated high school in Greenwich, Connecticut, and was living and working in New York to support himself and his wife, Tatiana. He was also frequenting chat rooms under the screen name Hot ES300, which is a model of Lexus. So mm. he's super cool. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Right. So this dude and Christina had apparently met up several times before based on the graphic nature of their exchanged messages had had sexual contact. Police brought Dos Reyes in for questioning and armed with their evidence. It didn't take long for him to confess. On May 17th, 2002, just a few days prior, the day that she went missing, Dos Reyes picked up Christina at the Danbury Mall. He told police that as they had sex in his car, 
Christina asked him to choke her. Before he realized it, he had strangled her to death. When he realized she was unresponsive, Dos Reyes claimed that he had unsuccessfully attempted to revive her, panicked, and then dumped her body in a remote ravine outside of Greenwich. Jesus. Early Monday morning on May 20th, 2002, shortly after he had confessed, Dos Reyes led the police to Christina's body. They did find on his computer, he had originally tried to throw off authorities by emailing Christina the day after killing her by sending her a message that said, so how was that date with that guy last night? Nice fucking try, dork. Mm-hmm. Christina's Aunt Shelley spoke on the fate of Dos Reyes outside of one of these hearings leading up to the trial and said, if I had my way, he'd be in jail for life. The poor me stance, I don't buy at all. I think he's absolutely a monster. His attorney, Mm. Peter Tillum, tried to argue against the media's portrayal of Dos Reyes as a monstrous pedophile, saying that she lied and said she was older. This was something that she had asked for this erotic asphyxiation thing like it was consensual which at the end of the day it doesn't matter it wasn't consensual period yeah and if you see photos of this girl it would be a stretch to believe that she was of age yeah it would be a stretch she looked 13 yeah so through their searches of his internet shit they also found evidence of and got him to admit to crossing state lines in 1998 to have sex with a 15 year old so that count was added to his charges yeah. In early March of 2003, Dos Reyes entered an Alford plea. He didn't admit guilt, but agreed that the state had enough mm-hmm. evidence to convict him. That's the same thing with uh, the stairs, right? I think, yeah. Yeah. He was convicted of manslaughter and sexual assault. The court sentenced him to 30 years in prison. On April 17th, 2003, Dos Reyes pled guilty to federal charges of crossing state lines to have sex with a minor. Two charges of that because of the 15-year-old and because of Christina. Remember, he was living in New York and she was living in Connecticut. Yeah. He was given a partially consecutive sentence for that. So sentenced to 25 years for that. But I've never heard of a partially consecutive sentence, but apparently it added 10 years to his 30 year sentence from the state. Hmm. So he is in prison uh, and he's been there since 2000. Well, 2002. hmm, I haven't heard of that one. What a surprise. I mean, it was a huge it was it was a big story at the time because it was one of those things that was like monitor your kids online. Yeah, there was a lot being said about Christina, which is fucked because obviously there was a lot behind the scenes that put her in a situation to Mm-hmm. be doing that she's just a child and her aunt knew nothing of it she was so heartbroken yeah. mm. that sucks yeah next on march 5th because we're off next week we got season six episode 16 ghost we've had two episodes that have had haunted and the word ghost and none of them had anything like that and nothing spectral oh my god cabot is back to help figure out some drug shit on the guy who tried to kill her Ooh. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see her. Bangs? No bangs? We'll find out. Stay tuned. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, everybody. Um, Rate and review us. Give us five stars if you want. You should. (laughs) Email us at svpod at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything, P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. Um, We're on all social media at svupod. We have merch at svupod.com and TeePublic. Facebook groups, svupod elite squad. We have a Facebook group chat, walk and talk. And then there's an offshoot Facebook group, single tomato book club. Check it out. Hashtag a little bit loud for indie pods. If you are an indie pod, hashtag that so we all can find you. Check out our Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash pod. And if you want to send us voicemails or text or something for good, but let's face it, bad advice. Let's face it. Um, it's 1-920-345-7005. Again, 1-920-345-7005. I was trying to make our phone number into like a one nine two zero fucking hot dogs or whatever the fuck. But there's no MSN. There's no letters for zero. And we have seven zero zero five. And I'm like, oh, I know. Could the zeros be two O's? I know, but that's confusing then because O has a number. Yeah. Whatever. Just call the fucking number, you guys. <laughs> All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Make sure you bold the name of the store, Herboutique. Yeah. That's the only way that anybody should be able to pronounce it. Herboutique. Yeah. I have to get a dress for the cocktail dinner with the president. I'm going to her. (laughs) Chonk. Yeah. It's like. (laughs) And I was like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can't be bribed. (laughs) Ew, your tongue. I know. I hated it, too. (laughs) 
No, I said, Brandy, you're a fine, you're, you're a, a fine, fine girl. girl. What a good wife you would That's be. That's such a sad song if you really listen to it. I mean, yeah. But my life, my love, and my lady is the sea. It's just sad. She's like, I love him, but he loves the sea. Tune in to find out who jizzed on my shirt. <laughs> to our Elite Squad patrons, Nikki M, Marissa M, Rebecca D, Elkie H, Trisha S, Emily T, Katerina G, Mary D, Joshua H, Lem, Sonia W, Eliza W, Nikki B, Kaylin B, Melanie G, Andrew, Andrew. Miranda B, Lauren T, Katie A, Kate H, Vanessa, Lex, Shelby K, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Courtney W, Ursula, <laughs> Ursula. I gotta French it up, dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Tay. Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica Ace, Jessica F. Okay. Jessica S, Daniel W, Jenna M, Tammy. Oh my god! Tammy J. This isn't even in purpose. (laughs) Tammy J, Bear. Bear! (laughs) Sam D, Nisha G, Nada M, Mac Attack. Meg M, Casey. Abby W, Alexis J, Caitlin S, Christina D, Camille Z, Maggie D, San, Jessica P, Zana J, Madison H, Emily, or was it? <laughs> How have we never done that one before? I don't know. I just thought of it and I was like, what? We you may just thought of it right now. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know why, but today seems like it's going to be a great be a day. Great day. My wife and parents and kids could say, wrong about you, Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) Victoria, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree R, Lexi Y, Drew B, Monica K, Katie S, Brenna T, Andrea M, Tosh, Jenna, Al H, Andrea H, Nikki R. Uh, Is that? Is I live and ding breathe? Is that Aunt Sarah coming in here with Aunt Sarah? Hi. Katie H, Vern, Catherine B, Ariana, Madeline K, Mallory J, Kristen F, Samara B, and Dim Sam. Sam. Love you, you guys. Thank you. Love you guys. You're great. Great, 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 great. Thanks. <laughs> oh, You're the best. Hurrah. Nothing's gonna happen now. Uh, All right. <laughs> I love you. Bye. I love you. Bye.